was in there, and I completely forgot about it, so I'm sorry about, sorry about that. But as Pastor John said, it's weird. Over the last you know, few weeks, we're standing like this direction right here, and we're looking directly at a camera, and there's nobody here in front. I don't remember how to preach to people in the room. Uh, this is, this is just awkward, but honestly, man, it's so good to see you guys, and uh, if you haven't been joining us over the last few weeks, we're in the fifth week of an eight-week series we're calling House of Cards, and uh, we've been talking about marriage and family, and so we, the first few weeks, we've talked about the idea of marriage and what marriage should look like. Uh, as followers of Christ, last week, my dad was with us, and, um, and he talked and wrapped up the marriage side of the series by talking about this idea of covenant or contract, and you know, a lot of times we look at marriage as it's simply a contract between two people, but what the Bible says is marriage isn't about a contract, which is often built on mutual distrust. It's about a covenant between God and, and man and woman, and that is built on mutual submission uh, to each other and, and trust, right? There is a difference between a contract and a covenant. And so I would just encourage you, if you missed any of those first four weeks uh, when it comes to the marriage side of things, go back and, and watch those, right? They're online. You can go ahead and, and watch those at any of uh, any time when it's convenient for you. But this week, we're going to start on our parenting and family side of the series. And the title of the message this morning is simply this, Get Your Priorities in Order. Get Your Priorities in Order. Uh, how many of you have ever heard that phrase, maybe spoken to you, or you have spoken that phrase to somebody at some time. You need to get your priorities in order. I know in my life that I've heard that phrase spoken to me many times, and if I'm honest with you, there's been times in my life that I've had to speak that phrase to myself. Ryan, you need to get your priorities in order. A priority, by definition, is simply something that is of highest importance. Our priorities are those areas in our lives where we, where we value the most. They're the most meaningful and most important to us. But if we're honest with ourselves, there's times where it's easy for our priorities to get out of order, isn't it? It's easy for our, our priorities to get out of order, or we, we get distracted by things that are, are maybe not the most important. Right? And, we, and we put things that are maybe not the high, of highest importance in the place of highest importance in our lives. And so let me just give you a couple practical examples that we've seen and experienced. Right? As a pastor, there's many times that we get to meet with people who are just struggling with different things in their lives. They're just struggling maybe in their marriages. They're struggling uh, maybe financially. They're struggling when it comes to raising kids. And, and they'll come in just to talk and to have somebody to be there to listen and, and kind of hear what's going on in their lives. And I would say that many of these times when we talk to people, uh, the issues that they have are priority issues, right? We talk to people and they say their, their marriage is really struggling and then you, you begin to talk to them and you hear that really they haven't prioritized their marriage at all. They haven't taken the time to, to, to you know, pursue going on dates and having date night. They've pursued maybe career or even raising kids or all these other things at the expense of their spouse and, and things are out of order. They haven't chosen to prioritize forgiving, which is a really important part of marriage. They haven't prioritized things and because they haven't prioritized things, things are out of order. Or, or maybe they, they come in and they're dealing with some financial struggles and you get to the root of what it is, and when you, when you get to the root of it, they haven't prioritized saving. They haven't prioritized putting aside money for the things that are most important. Like their, their credit cards are maxed out. They're spending money on things they don't need. They're buying new things when they don't need to buy new things, and they're struggling to pay for the things that they do need, which like groceries and things. And you go, well, this is why you're struggling. This is why, because your priorities are out of order. You're prioritizing things that don't matter. You're prioritizing and putting things on a credit card that you don't need to do, right? Your priorities are simply out of order. And here's what I've come to, to understand and, and see. If something is important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you find an excuse, right? If something's important to you, you find a way. If not, you find an excuse. 
Like, like I used to like going to the gym before all this happened. But the gym is closed. Guess what? There's still ways to work out. But the 15 pounds I've gained will tell you that I have not been prioritizing it, right? Like, because I can find an excuse. Like, I could go for a run or I could eat this bag of Doritos. And I have prioritized Doritos, right? And, and so this is just the reality. If something is important to you, you find a way. If not, you find an excuse. You always have time, money, and resources for the things that you put first. Always have what you need for the things that you prioritize and put first. The funny thing is, most of us would say that we want to have priorities. We, we intend to have priorities, and maybe we even think we have priorities. But the, the decisions we make on a normal basis prove if that is true. And for a lot of us, it tells a completely different story. Jeff Van Gundy said it like this. He says, your decisions reveal your priorities. In other words, the decisions you make on a daily basis actually show what is most important to you, what you value the most. And here's the thing. God has clearly laid out for us in his word what our priorities should look like as followers of Christ. As a, a Christian home, as a Christian family, he said this. This is what it should look like if we're going to have the priorities right and the priorities in the right order when we're serving God in the context of a home. God should always be first and foremost. Your spouse should be next. Raising your kids should be next. And then your career and your ministry should be below that. That's the order that he, is, that he has given to us, the right priority order to have in our life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he said these words. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. In other words, if you put the right things in the right order, which is seeking God's kingdom and, and living the right way, living righteously, if you do that, then he puts the rest of the things in place. But what we often see in people's lives is they do things in the wrong order and everything gets out of whack in their lives. So if you're putting, listen, your career or even ministry, right? This is where, where it gets real. If you're putting your career or ministry before, before God, before your, your spouse, before your kids, you're doing it wrong. Your priorities are out of order. If you're, listen, if you're putting your kids, and I think this is really easy at times, if you're putting your kids before your spouse. You're making your kids a priority over your spouse. Biblically speaking, the priorities are out of order. If you're putting your, your spouse above your relationship with the Lord, essentially you are worshiping your spouse as God instead of pursuing God as God of your lives. The priorities out of order. And anytime those priorities of God, spouse, children, career, work, ministry get out of order, things seem to go awry in our lives. And so that's why we've been kind of talking about and framing our sermon series the way we have. That's why the very first week of this sermon series, we talked about the idea of building our lives on the foundation of Christ, because this is what it's really about. And we talked about how if you're looking to, you know, if you're, if you're seeking after finding the one, which we often do in our, I just got to find the right person for me, you're doing it wrong, because the Bible says we have to understand that Jesus is our one, and our spouse is our number two. And the greatest marriages are marriages where both husband and wife are seeking after God first and foremost, building their lives on the foundation of Christ, and then as a married couple, seeking after God together. Build on the right foundation. And then, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about the marriage side of things. Why? Because as a church, not only do we want you to have a great relationship with the Lord, we want this to be a place where, number one, our first core value, this is all about God. We want people to come here and experience life transformation because of the gospel. But practically speaking, we also want you to have good marriages. We want to have a church that is full of healthy marriages and healthy families, and so we took time to talk about it, right? How do you deal with conflict? How do you fight fair? How do you work on those areas in your life that are killing intimacy so that you can experience the intimacy in your relationship that God wants you to experience? 
how to understand commitment and covenant versus contract. We wanted to take time to talk about those things. And now as we switch gears, we're going to talk about the parenting side of things. And as we talk about the parenting side of things today, I want to ask this question. I want, you, want us to think about this question. What is the parent's greatest priority? What is our greatest priority, the most important thing as parents? Because we need to understand this. Ultimately, we are, we're leading our kids in some direction. We're, we're leading them. We're pointing them somewhere. We are choosing by the decisions that we make on a daily basis what is most valuable, what is the priority of our lives and the priority of their lives. The problem for, for a lot of us at times is we prioritize maybe the wrong things. We prioritize things that are okay things, but we put them into the place of highest importance. We'll hear parents say things like this, man, my number one priority is I just want my kids to be happy. Man, I just want, I, I didn't have a great childhood, so I want them to have a great childhood. I want them to have just lots of fun, lots of great memories. I just, I want them to be happy. I just, above all, man, I just want my kids to be happy. It's not a bad thing. You, obviously, I mean, like, if you don't want your kids to ever be happy, I would say you're a bad parent, right? Like, if you, we should, I mean, we plan activities, we do things, we want our kids to be happy. That's not a, a bad thing, but it's ne not necessarily our number one priority. Or we'll say, my number one priority is I just want to raise good, moral, well-behaved kids. And we strive after that. We just want children to be well-rounded, good members of society who make the right decisions. And again, not a bad thing, just not the number one thing. Or maybe we do this. We say, man, my number one priority is I just want my kids to follow their dreams. I want them to work hard. I want them to, to do really good in school, get into a good, you know, college, have a good career so they can provide for their family, have a great family someday. And again, none of these are bad things. They're just not necessarily the most important thing. It's easy at times as parents to prioritize good things, but at the expense of the most important thing. And Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Because if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I would challenge us that maybe we need to be asking the same question in regards to our kids. What good is it if our kids are super happy? What good is it if they have everything that the world says is important? If you give them everything that, that this culture says is important, what good is it if they're happy, if they're well-rounded and well-behaved, if they go to the best college and have the best job? What good is it if all of those things happen because we've prioritized those things, but they miss out on the most important thing, which is having their life changed by Jesus? What good is it if that's the goal and we, and we land there, but they miss out on following Jesus? And so the question we need to ask ourselves is, is what is our greatest priority? And I think it's simply this. Ready? Write this down. Circle it. Do something with it. Ready? Leading your kids toward making a decision to follow Jesus. Our greatest priority is leading our kids towards making a decision to follow Jesus. Success as a parent isn't a destination. It's about a decision. It's about a decision. Now, I want you to notice, I didn't say making a decision for your kids to follow Jesus, because you can't do that. 
You can't make the decision for them. You can't force them to follow Jesus. You can't make that happen for them. But as parents and as godly adults, we have the ability to lead them in such a way that the grace of God can get a hold of their lives and radically transform them. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about two things that we can do if we notice when it comes to raising kids that our priorities are out of order. Two things that we can do to make sure that we're making this our number one priority. And we're going to be looking in Deuteronomy chapter 5, um, just or Deuteronomy chapter 6, excuse me, just so you understand the context. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where Moses gives the people the Ten Commandments. He lays out for them what God says, here's the way that you should relate to God. Here's the way that you should relate to each other. Here's the rules, so to speak, to live by. And then in chapter 6, Moses takes these same rules and he helps us understand how they apply to our families. And in chapter 6, what we're going to look at, I believe, is one of the greatest teaching in the entire Bible on a parent's greatest priority. And so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 4 through 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Two things that I think we can see in this portion of Scripture when it comes to getting our priorities in order. Number one, love God with everything you are. Love God with everything you are. Now listen, whether you have kids or not, this applies to you. This is what our lives should look like as followers of Christ. Love God with everything you are. Those first few verses, that's what it's talking about. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly, being all in to the commands that I am giving you today. I mean, this is ultimately where it starts. If you want to lead your kids to a place where they ultimately can give their lives to Christ, where they can ultimately experience a transformation, then you first have to experience that transformation in your own life. Right? Like, you cannot lead your kids to a place that you've never been. That's, that's the reality for us as parents. We can't expect our kids to, to model this transforming and experience this transforming relationship with God if we've never experienced ourselves. I've had people say before, man, I just got to get my kids to church. Man, I just want my kids to be raised around church. I want them to know God. I got to get my, my, my kids to church. And I would tell them, listen, like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but that's not going to just fix the problem right there. It's a good start. But that's not going to fix the problem. The church is never made to be the greatest spiritual influence in your kids' lives. You are. You're the greatest spiritual influence in your, your kids' life. A couple hours on a Sunday morning isn't going to, to fix or, 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 or make up for what they see modeled throughout the rest of the week. The type of faith that your kids live out most of the time is going to look a lot like the type of faith that you modeled for them. Like kids are going to listen to what you say but they're more likely going to follow what you do because faith is more often caught than it's taught. You understand what I'm saying today? So you need to model the type of faith. This is why loving God with everything for us as parents and, and, and making sure that we are wholeheartedly pursuing God is so important because kids are following. They're looking at what we do. They're watching us. So I want to give you a couple examples of, of maybe a counterfeit that we often settle for when it comes to this. Counterfeit Christianity that we often settle for instead of this wholehearted commitment. And, and again, I want to just challenge you to examine yourselves, examine your walk with the Lord right now. 
And ask yourself, am I, am I modeling one of these types of, of Christianities rather than authentic Christianity? Am I modeling this? Because ultimately, again, your kids are, are watching what you do. And the type of faith that they model will most likely look like the type of faith that you modeled for them. The first one is what we'll call legalistic Christianity. Legalistic Christianity is simply where, where we reduce Christianity to simply a bunch of rules. Come on, how many of you have ever been, if you're out, you were raised around maybe this and you're, you're growing up? It was all about the do's and the don'ts, the cans and the can'ts, the shoulds and the should nots. A good Christian does this. If you don't do this, you're not really a Christian. It was all about following the rules. Good Christians, right? Whatever you do, kids, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with kids who do. Anybody ever heard a phrase like that? Like, it's all about the rules. If you follow the rules, that makes you a good Christian. The problem is this, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. That's why most of the pastor's kids are screwed up. I was a pastor's kid. I can say that, right? That's why we're rebellious at times, because it's easy to focus on the rules. It's easy to see that side of things. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. In fact, I can tell you for a fact, in my life growing up, the friends that I went to church with, where it was all about legalistic Christianity in their homes, where it was all about just following the rules and, you know, dressing up on Sunday and wearing your best and just doing this. And it was not about a real relationship with God. It was all simply about doing it, keeping up with appearances. Most of those friends that I, that I had growing up are no longer following Jesus. They've rebelled completely and turned the other way. Why? Because it was all about the rules and it wasn't about a relationship. And that often leads to rebellion. Another counterfeit is lukewarm Christianity. This is kind of the opposite of the legalistic side of Christianity. Lukewarm Christianity is when we believe in God, but we live our lives like he doesn't exist. For all intents and purposes, it's just practical atheism. You, you believe in God, but if you look at your lives, you live your lives like God really doesn't exist or is not really a part of it. This is Christian in name only, but not in practice. How do you know you're practicing lukewarm Christianity? Well, Church is probably the only time that God has talked about in your home throughout the week. Maybe you go to church unless there's something better to do. Right? Like, I'm going to go to church, but oh, you know, look how sunny it is. It's been sunny for like months. Great day for the boat ride, right? Kids, change your plans. Church next week. This is what lukewarm Christianity looks like in our lives. Maybe you just put in the least amount of time and effort that you can put in to following Jesus without feeling guilty. Just going to go through the least amount of the emotions so I can get that little star and hopefully get to heaven. It's what we call fire insurance. I pray to prayer. I don't want to go to hell. Your relationship with God doesn't really affect the decisions that you make on a daily basis or a weekly basis. I mean, God's there, but he doesn't really affect what you do or say. Let's just be real. It's a Christianity that actually hasn't transformed your life. It's a powerless Christianity. It's not even Christianity at all. The Bible says in Revelation that it's better to be hot or cold than lukewarm. Come on, how many of you like coffee? Hot coffee, like a cold morning, it's delicious, right? It's delicious. On a really hot day, man, I love a nice glass of iced coffee. Like, I, I mean, I love iced coffee. But what happens when that iced coffee sits in my car for a while, and all the ice starts to melt, and then it just tastes like dirty water? It's gross, right? Like, you drink that, and you're like, Ugh, I'm doing this because I need the caffeine, but it's gross. Or hot coffee when it's sitting out on the counter because your kid comes and talks to you and then you forget you've made coffee and then it's there but it's like three hours later and you go to drink it and it's like not warm and it's not really, it's gross, right? 
you just like, I'm not drinking this. I'm just going to spit this out. It's not, it's not good at all. What, what Jesus is saying, what he's saying in his word to us is that he'd rather us be hot or cold. I mean, he's saying, listen, if you're not going to follow you, if you're not going to be passionate, I'd rather you not even bother doing the other things because you're basically lukewarm. And, and lukewarm, it's just kind of gross, and I'd rather just kind of spit out that religion. Those are strong words. Those are strong words to define how God feels about going through the motions. And can I tell you, if you model this, this lukewarm, going through the motions Christianity or this legalistic Christianity, most likely your kids are going to pursue that same like, lack of transformational religion that you've modeled for them. So what should it look like? What should we be modeling? We're going to call it authentic Christianity. That's what these verses are talking about, loving God with everything, pursuing your relationship with God with everything. You have wholehearted commitment. I'm not even talking about a Christian family as much as we're talking about a Christ-centered home, a Christ-centered home. And here, there's a difference because I don't know if you know this, but in America, like 80% of people, I think is what the stat has hovered around, 80% of people claim to be Christians. But when we look at the world that we live in, specifically in America, we look at the problems that we're facing. 80% of people here are not living as Christ-centered homes. 80% of the people here are not following Christ with their lives. They might fall into the lines with that legalistic or that, or maybe that lukewarm. They, they may be Christian in name only. They may go to church, you know, on Easter and, and Christmas. Maybe that's what the Christianity is, but that's not what it really means to be a follower of Christ. And there's a difference between this lukewarm and legalistic and what it actually means to have a Christ-centered home. A Christ-centered home where, where Christ is the center, it, it's about him being the center of everything you do as a family. It's about building everything that you do on the foundation of, of Christ, not just making a one-time decision, right? I prayed a prayer, so we're good. It's not about that at all. It's not about going to church a couple times a month. It's not about that at all. It's about making Jesus and his kingdom the entire focus of your lives and your family's lives. Or I like how it says it in Colossians chapter 2. And now, just as you accepted Christ, in other words, you've made this decision, you've, you've drawn the line in the sand, you've gone from living for yourself to living for Jesus, right? You're following him now. It says you must continue to follow him. Continue to walk it out. Let your roots grow down into him. Be rooted in Christ. Let your lives be built on him, right? Everything you do, built on the foundation of Christ. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let me just ask you before we move on. Does your life look like that? Are you pursuing that type of, of faith? Are you pursuing that wholehearted, all-in, or, or are you loving God with maybe just a part of your heart? Maybe just enough of your heart that you feel like will save you, but not enough to transform you. Are you loving God with everything you are? Are you pursuing this authentic, Christ-centered home? Are you settling for some counterfeit form of Christianity? Because again, what your kids see is most likely what they're going to model. So we need to pursue the right thing. Love God with everything you are. The second thing we see in these scriptures in Deuteronomy, if you're going to get your priorities in order, number two, lead your family intentionally. Lead your family intentionally. Verses seven through nine, I want to read it again. It says, repeat them again and again, talking about the commands. Repeat those commands again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These verses are painting a picture for us of what it looks like to lead our, our, our children, our families intentionally. I want you to understand it doesn't just happen. It's not like you just wake up and, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to lead my family intentionally. 
It doesn't just happen. You have to make the daily choice, the daily decision. The question you have to ask yourself is simply this. Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? Because in America, a lot of times our children lead us. Right? Man, I, I can't go to church. I got sports schedules to keep up with. I can't be involved. I can't serve. I can't. Like my kids lead my life. We are doing it the opposite way of what God has intended us to do. We're supposed to be leading our children, setting the tone for them, the spiritual atmosphere for them, not the other way around. I think that's what these verses are talking about. It says repeat it again and again. Talk about the truth of God's word again and again. When you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed, right? When you're, when you're at home and when you're on the road, there's always opportunities to lead your family intentionally. Or I like how it says it in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Very, very practical. It says, train up a child in the way they should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That word train is this, this Hebrew word. I'm probably going to butcher it, but that's okay. I think it's chanak, chanak, something along those lines. And it literally means to initiate, to dedicate, or to train up. What I want you to understand is this verse isn't a guarantee. Some people use it as that. If I just do the right things, take the right, my kids are automatically going to follow Jesus. That's not how this works. It's not a guarantee that your kids are automatically going to follow Jesus if you do this. But it's, it is saying this, the likelihood of your kids growing up to serve the Lord is much greater when we make it our choice to do what the Bible is saying. When we make it our choice to understand it's our job to train up, to, to initiate, to dedicate time, to lead our families intentionally. If we do that, there's a much higher likelihood that our kids are going to grow up to want to do the same thing and follow Jesus if we do it intentionally. So what are some practical ways? I want to just give you some practical ways that we can begin to lead our families intentionally. Four things. Now, there's many more things we could talk about, but these are four things that I think we could begin to implement even this week that'll help us when it comes to leading our families intentionally. Number one, include God in your daily conversations. That's what it's talking about in this portion of Scripture. Include God in your daily conversations. Don't make Sunday mornings be the only time that God is talked about in your families. Talk about God daily. Involve Him in your daily conversations. When you're at home, when you're on the road, there's always opportunities for us as parents to help our kids understand and see how God is working in their lives and in our world. Look for opportunities to show how God is impacting and moving. Let's just get really practical. Pastor John hit on this a little bit in the beginning, but man, what we're seeing in our world right now is crazy. There's so much brokenness that we're seeing in our world. And we have an opportunity as Christian parents who are trying to lead Christ-centered homes, we have an opportunity to lead our families intentionally in this season, to teach our kids in this season, to teach them what, what God sees in other people. To show them that racism is a sin and, and that God wants to, to kill any of racism that's in our own lives. To help them see that God has created people in the image of God. And that's what we should see. That's how we should love people. We have opportunity to teach our kids to change a culture. We need to be intentional about this. We can't just turn a blind eye to what's going on. I mean, when your kids are asking questions about this sickness and pandemic, we have an opportunity to teach them that we don't have to fear that we know Jesus. We have an opportunity to teach them, and people, and they'll ask questions like, why do bad things happen in our world? We have an opportunity to, to disciple them intentionally during these seasons. So talk about God. Show them how God works. Show them how God is involved. Show them how God loves people and how he's trying to redeem and reconcile even in the pain that's going on in our world. Teach them intentionally. Ask them questions often about God. 
Talk about the spiritual blessings that you've been giving. Talk about the things. Ask them what they're thankful for and why they're thankful for that. When you need to make a decision, take time as a family to pray about it. Show them that God is involved, not just on Sunday, but in the decisions that you make in your home throughout the week. Include God in your daily conversations. Another way that we can practically lead our family intentionally, make church a non-negotiable. Listen, if, if you're going to be a Christ-centered home, if you're going to live a Christ-centered home, then starting your week off with the family of Christ in church should, shouldn't be something we negotiate. I'm sorry, it just should not be something that we, we put up for negotiation. It, it just shouldn't. I mean, this is just what we do as a Christian home. This is what we do as a Christ-centered home. We start our week off together, honoring God. We start our week off together, worshiping God together with our Christian brothers and sisters. This is what we, what we do. It's not up for discussion. It's a non-negotiable. This is who we are. This is what we do. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. If your, parent, if your kids came up to you, a little fifth grader came up to you and said, you know what, I'm done school. I'm just, I'm not going to school anymore. I'm not doing my homework anymore. I'm done with this. As a parent, you wouldn't be like, you know what, I, I hear your points. They're very valid. I think you're done school. But for some reason, we choose this as the area that we decide to negotiate with our kids and put up for discussion. The, the, the one thing in their life that has the, the ability to impact every other decision they make, we say, okay, that's negotiable. And listen, I, I know, maybe you grew up and your parents made you go to church and they didn't live it out and you have this resentment towards your parents, but here's what I'll tell you. If you put the first one into practice, you never have to worry about your kids getting mad at you for putting this into practice. Meaning if you make living out an authentic faith who you are and what you do, even if your kids don't agree, they're not going to argue with you because it's who you are every single day of the week. Like for instance, growing up, my parents, I played soccer, I played some other sports, but soccer was the main sport I played. And I always wanted to play travel soccer. And my parents would say, you can't play travel soccer because most of the games are on Sunday. Well, there was one season where they said the games were going to be on on Saturdays more, and so they let me play on the team. What ended up happening during that season is most of the Saturday games got canceled and it was all Sunday games. And I was missing church on a weekly basis. And I can remember at the end of that season, my parents said to me, listen, this was your last season playing travel soccer because you're not missing church every week for this. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's not been times in my life from this point forward that I've gone, you know what? I really resent my parents. If they would have just let me play travel soccer, I could have been a professional soccer player, not a lousy pastor. They didn't know my skill level, right? Like, I never had that thought. I've never thought that at any point in my life. I've never regretted the fact that they made that intentional because there was times in my life where I wasn't mature enough to make it a priority for myself. And I'm thankful that they made it a priority for me because every week I was at church, every week I was there, it gave the Holy Spirit an opportunity in that setting to speak into my heart and to change my life and to do what he wanted to do. I never regretted it at all. Don't make it a negotiable thing. The kids are in your house. They follow your rules, Right? This is your house. This is what you do. This is who we are. And it's a non-negotiable thing. Number three, I want to encourage you to model that seeking and serving God is life-changing. This is taking this going to church idea and stepping it up. This is understanding that it's not just about going to church. It's actually about being the church. It's not just about attending. It's about actively participating. I want to encourage you, especially during this time where our kids are in the service with us, those of you who are here with your kids, this is a great opportunity for us to model for our kids what it looks like to seek God and worship. This is a great opportunity for us to model what it looks like to actively engage with the Word of God when somebody's preaching. This is an opportunity for us to take notes and listen. See, your, let your kids see that you're taking notes, but not only taking notes, actually applying the notes throughout the week because they're in here and they know what, they're, what we're talking about. 
and they can hold you accountable for it. This is an awesome opportunity we have to actually show them and model for them that, that this is life-changing, that this isn't just going through the emotion. This is, this, is ama- this is the Word of God is living and active. It changes our lives. We have the opportunity to model for them that seeking and serving God is life-changing. Look for opportunities to serve together. Show up early on Sunday morning. Join a serve team and serve together with your families. Serve outside of church. Serve your neighbor that's struggling right now. Serve that stranger you see in the parking lot somewhere. Show them that what God is doing in your life isn't just going through the emotions, isn't just something that you do on Sunday mornings, but it's actually radically life-changing every area of your life. Show them that seeking and serving God is life-changing. And the last one, I would encourage you to focus on character more than accomplishments. When it comes to your kids, focus on character more than accomplishments. What I mean is that we have to be careful sometimes what we praise in our kids' lives. We have a tendency to praise our kids a lot, right? And I don't think that's a bad thing. But I think we also have to understand that what we praise is what often gets repeated. Like what we, what we reward and praise is what gets repeated. And so if all we ever do is praise their accomplishments that are good, but they don't have any eternal value, that's what they're going to chase after. If all we do is praise how good they are at sports or how good they are at school, they're going to think, hey, my, abil- my sports abilities and my school abilities is what's most important. So instead, we need to make sure that we are, we are focusing on character and what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives more than we... I'm not telling you to not praise those things. I'm just saying make sure that you praise things that have eternal value as well. Make sure that you're focusing on those eternal things as well. And so what does this look like practically? Well, if your kids are doing something that shows the Holy Spirit is working in their lives, like if for one time they're not being selfish and they're actually thinking about their siblings, you should acknowledge that. I love to see what the Holy Spirit's doing right now in your life. You're not being selfish. You're putting your brother and sisters forward. If, they, if they're quick to, to apologize and to ask for forgiveness for, from their siblings or from you without you begging and pleading, Right? Acknowledge that the Holy Spirit's working in their lives. He's the one who is, who is doing that work in their lives. Acknowledge that character and what God is working in their lives more than we praise simply accomplishments. Again, there are many other things that we could talk about. There are many other ways that we can, practical ways, but again, I wanted to give you just four that you could begin to implement this week. So again, what do you do in recap if you realize that your priorities are wrong? What do you do if you realize that you're prioritizing the, wrong, prioritizing the wrong thing when it comes to leading your family? What do you do if you realize that you're not leading your kids toward making a decision to follow Jesus as of utmost importance when it comes to raising your families? Well, you do what the Bible instructs in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You begin to pursue God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. You wholeheartedly commit to following Him, living your life for Him. You make that your heart's desire. I, first and foremost, as a parent, as, your, as, your, as the leader of this home, am going to pursue God with everything I am. I'm going to begin to live this out. I'm not going to chase after lukewarm. I'm not going to chase after legalistic. I'm going to chase after authentic. I'm going to lead this family in a Christ-centered way. I'm going to walk this out. And then you understand that leading your family is an intentional decision that you have to make. That if you don't lead them, somebody else is going to. That if you don't take that role of spiritual leader in your home, somebody else is going to influence and lead them. And it's our responsibility to own it. Look, listen, I know it's not easy as a parent. We're going to hopefully help you and encourage you even more over these next few weeks on what this actually looks like. I know it's not easy, but nothing worthwhile is ever easy. And we want to raise up world changers. We want to raise up kids who have, have been impacted by the gospel and their life has been transformed. And it doesn't happen on accident we got to let the Holy Spirit work. 
And we got to give opportunity by doing our part, which is leading them the right way, leading them intentionally. I just want to close with one final portion of scripture that's found in the book of Joshua chapter 24 today. Joshua was the leader of the people of Israel after Moses. This was after the time when they got the Ten Commandments, after the time when they entered into the promised land. They had seen God move and do miraculous things when Joshua was leading. I mean, the people of Israel saw miracle after a miracle. They experienced God working in amazing ways in their lives. And at the end of Joshua's time in ministry, he is reconfirming the covenant, reconfirming what it looks like to allow God to lead them. And he challenges the people of Israel with these words. And I hope these words are challenging to us as well. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 15. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, if you refuse to authentically pursue following Jesus with everything you are, then choose today who you're going to serve. If you prefer the, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, then choose those. Or if it'll be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, choose that. In other words, if you want to go back to empty religion, go back to that. If you want to choose to allow the culture you live in to determine who you worship, then choose that. If you're not going to serve God and you're not all in, then choose one of those other ones. But I love what he says in, in the end. He says, but as for me and my family, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Come on. I hope that is our prayer today. Would you stand with me as we close today? We're going to close out in worship. I hope that is our prayer. That as parents, we can say those words. As for me and my family, I don't care what else is going on in the world. I don't care about the brokenness. I'm not going to be distracted by other idols. I'm not going to chase after things other than what Jesus has for, as for me and my family. No matter what anybody else does, we are going to serve the Lord. We are going to pursue following Jesus with everything we have. We're not going to settle for lukewarm. We're not going to chase after legalistic. We're going to pursue God with everything we have. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to serve my family. I'm going to show my family what it looks like to love Jesus. Maybe you're in here this morning and you would look at your life and you would say, you know what? I haven't. I haven't really been set in the right spiritual tone. I've been settling for this counterfeit Christianity. I would encourage you today to simply declare that from this day forward, that's not going to be the case. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your, your kid. Let them know, hey, listen, I'm sorry that we've settled for this. But from this day forward, we're not going to anymore. We're going to pursue real, authentic, wholehearted commitment. I mean, you can make a change. Maybe you're in here today and you don't even know Jesus at all. So all of this is foreign to you. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart right now, drawing you to Him. Simply give your life to Him today. From this day forward, Jesus, I'm following you. From this day forward, my life is yours. My family's yours. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to lead intentionally. Wherever you fall today, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father. Lord, we are sorry for the times where we've prioritized things that are not that important. God, we're sorry for the times that we've prioritized things that are maybe good things, but they're not the greatest things. And Lord, I pray that you begin to work in our lives, begin to show us every single day when we are settling for less than the best that you have for us and our families. God, I pray that you would give us the ability to make changes where changes need to be made. I pray that you would give us the ability to be people who lead our families intentionally. Just like Joshua said, as for me and my family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will pursue the things of God. We will pursue His glory and His kingdom being established in this earth. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here today. Lord, I pray that you would not just convict us, but you would give us action steps to actually apply what we hear from your word. 
that this would not just be empty words, but this would be transforming in our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Children said, Amen. Amen. Be blessed, everyone.